everyone. It's Dr. Anu and Dr. Rashmi, and this is Gupsha. I do have to say that I had this one auntie growing up that I knew, and she would be fully dressed up, jewelry on, sari on, everything on, and she would like, okay, do you remember those compacts when we were like growing up the that cover were, girl compacts yes that yes. were like only in a certain amount of shades uh-huh. and they it was like a flat they uh, you know um, powder puff almost uh-huh. absolutely and if she wore it in so many shades lighter than her skin yeah right so it looked like ash on yes. her skin all the way to like the you know right there where the neckline mm-hmm. is and then her blush would be like that pink, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that no brown girl should ever like ever try to wear on their skin. And yeah. and then everyone would be like, Oh my God, she's so beautiful. And I'm like, what? She looks like she she looks like a ghost. ghost. Literally this is the auntie ghost. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Or I've definitely seen people at like functions and stuff that have gone hard on like the white ponds talcum powder on their faces. It's just literally straight up white. And you're like, powder. yeah, just white powder, just like caked onto their faces. And you're like, are you, is this grease paint? Like what is happening? now going into places like Sephora and finding things right I feel like there's a switch and I know we're gonna end up talking about it but like I remember when I was younger I used to play tennis all the time I used to uh, play outside Uh, we had a lot of neighborhood friends I played tennis through college like it was a big thing so I mean the summertime we were always out right so like Mm -hmm. I remember I like very significant moments like one was like when I was in um when I was younger, but then one when I was older was I was like dancing for my cousins or my aunt and uncle's like anniversary party. And like someone like pointed me out and I overheard them. They were like, oh, yeah, that really dark one. Um, yeah. Dances like well or so. It was just like it was like some 70s. I'm making a art, horrified yeah. face. Oh I my realize God. my face doesn't translate to audio, but my face is horrified. And like, I never, it just, it, I remember that. And, you know, it was like, I was in high school. It was like during that peak, like insecurity time. And oh, sure. to be called like, and my cousins were, you know, they're beautiful. Like, and so it was just like, so weird to be called that. And it was just like, so hard. I mean, like we even got it from our parents, honestly. I did oh, yeah. at least. And it was, the it was it was a, it was joking, but it was like so. Now in retrospect, you're like, oh, this is where my insecurity came from. Yeah, yeah. Well, I <laughs> kind of was on the other end of the spectrum because I'm I've always been pretty light skinned, and so I've always got the like, don't go out in the sun and like wear a hat, shade your face, and I'm just like, because I I was also out like I swam a lot as a little kid and like yeah I'm light skinned for a brown person but I'm still brown which means I tan like I tan tan you know when I go out in the sun and it was never it was never because I was ever trying I was just like a kid playing you know like swimming we had a lake in our town and I have been always been a strong swimmer and I was just out all day swimming and I would get super super tan 
and people be like, oh, you need to protect your face and, you know, use a parasol and wear a hat and, you know, cover your arms and legs and you can't get tan. And I, I, I was like, I don't, what, <laughs> what are you, it's, yeah, it's terrible. And like the thing that I'm seeing is that like this kind of unintentional dropping of remarks throughout our childhood and then like high school and college, like I remember in college, it was so significant because like people would say, um, oh, you're pretty, but, you know, you're dark, darker. And rush me, like, I'm not that dark. Like, I, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, I mean, on the spectrum of people of different skin colors, like, I fall probably right in the middle. Maybe right. a little bit on the darker side. But it's just, like, I'm just really confused, right? Because I think people naturally gravitate towards your skin color, like, lighter with like warmer under pinkish undertones you know like you have like darker hair darker um features and i think that's the it's just so interesting because that was like the coveted thing when i was growing up and and i was so far from it right yeah. and like everybody let me know i was far from it that's such a messed up experience but for you right like everyone let you know you were it yeah and, that, and that's yeah. literally all anybody had to say about me it was <laughs> yeah. yeah it was never like you have pretty eyes or you know you have nice hair well I'll get to my hair um you'll you have nice hair um it was always just like I especially remember this as like a little, little kid because I never understood this. Um, like, oh, what a cute kid. Oh, like she's so pale. I was going to say, I've, I've seen your family. Like, yeah. I don't, I feel like, yeah, you. I, I definitely came out like paler very, yeah. than I should have for like <laughs> my. And the I, milk I don't man. know. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mom's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like honestly, like like I my brother is not this pale. Um neither of my parents are. It was just like a genetic anomaly, you know? Um but like it it almost felt like an a character accolade and I mm. that's always felt very like icky to me. That's you crazy. Know? And I say this I say this like knowing that I have this privileged perspective because as disgusting as it is, being light skinned in a South Asian society is coveted by a lot of people. And it I really is. And it's like, um, you know, there was this like research study done, and it was like a long time ago. So it's by no means recent, but uh, it was done in 1990. And in it, they basically um, actually assessed kind of like black the um men and women i think it was mostly yeah black men and women and basically the results showed that people with lighter skin had like higher economic statuses their spouses had higher economic statuses there was less obviously consciousness that they had the dark skin and like overall they just had like a better in their life was better impacted right in in american society and like it's just so interesting to think like even 
Indians and and the rest of the AC people, it's like that colorism is there. Like, you know, if you're light skinned, it's easier to probably get a husband, right? If you're doing an arranged marriage or if you're light skinned, you're looked more highly upon amongst your family members. And, you know, I just like you probably have more opportunities and you're prettier and or, you know, and I'm putting that in quotation marks. It's just it's just so funny because like even with that study like when I was reading through it like the first thing I was thinking is like how it correlates even to our own culture oh absolutely I mean like the arranged marriage thing it's funny because now with all of these websites like you can see exactly what people value because like if you're filling out a profile like the field's they break down for you. So it's like, you know, your age and your height and your job and maybe your salary. And then right there, it's skin color. Um, it's it's definitely something that people judge by. And it's definitely something that people filter by. And to me, it's absolutely, especially growing up in the U.S., I think even though the concept may be pervasive in society and as an adult, I've realized that, you know, like proximity to lightness and proximity to whiteness is, is very pervasive in, in um, American society to kind of determine worth. But it's never so explicitly said as it is, I would say, in South Asian society. Yeah. yeah. In our own culture, which Where, is like um, the most painful. Right. Where like a person that you're related to, a person that like you're close to and maybe you look up to a person that you think of as a guardian will just like walk up to you and like say something about your skin color. And it's the kind of the worst thing you can say about somebody because it's like you don't control it. Right. There's nothing you can do about it. Like it's just the way that you came out. And frankly, it has no bearing on your beauty or your like goodness as a person or your suitability as somebody's partner. And so the fact that people will filter by this or think that it's okay to filter by this is, it's very bizarre. It is. And I think like, yeah, it's just sad that we are, we as in like, they see cultures like, you know, aunties, uncles, older generations, even our generation, like, you know, we are kind of culprits of our own colorism. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's painful. One thing, that, though, that I think is really interesting, right? I feel like when we were growing up in America, it was less about colorism. I feel like America wasn't even there yet. And maybe that's an unpopular opinion. I think it was like very much a binary of like either you're light skin or you're dark skin. There's no other tones in there. Like it was yeah. one or the other. Absolutely. And maybe that's why I never registered it because I was not, for American standards, light skin. Oh, really? Like yeah. They didn't, you weren't considered light skin for no, American because, standards? No, because I was in school with a bunch of white kids who are like white, you know? I mean, I may be light skin for a brown person, but, but like, you still have dark features. I have dark features. And also, like, you look at my school pictures, you put me in a lineup with a bunch of Caucasian children. And there's one kid that sticks out as being That's darker so skin than the rest. And so it's all relative, right? Like when I'm That's in so a interesting, group of majority. Like my own, yeah. Look, my own perception is I'm like, you're so light skinned. And because we're both South Asian. But if we compare ourselves with a lineup of Caucasians, I don't know that they would particularly see a huge difference between you and me because it's kind of like 
we're both in these shades of gray. We're both in these in-between shades. And so that's why I think it was so shocking to me to like learn that I was light-skinned because in my majority Caucasian life in the U.S., I was like the darker kid. Yeah. And like one of the things that would come up for me all the time when I was researching uh, both in my personal life and, of course, in my day job, which really has to do with education and learning, is this one study called the Doll Test. And it was originally by uh, two doctors, two married doctors, Kenneth and Mamie Clark. And essentially in the 1940s, they designed and conducted almost like a series of experiments, which they ended up calling the Doll Test, where they studied the psychological effects of segregation on African-American children, right? So essentially, they used four dolls that were identical except for the skin color to test children's racial perceptions. And um, essentially what would happen is obviously the majority of the children would choose the white doll and and or would assign like positive characteristics to it. And then if um, they chose and then. I remember at one point they say essentially like choose the ugliest doll and they would choose a dark skinned uh, doll. So what it ended up, I think his conclusion ended up being something like prejudice and discrimination and segregation were, you know, very high and essentially created a feeling of inferiority among African-American children and kind of this idea of damaged self-esteem. Right. And Mm. what happened was, It was actually that doll test was recreated in 2005 um, by someone named Kiri Davis. And it was actually a high schooler at the time. She was a high schooler. And she um, did the same exact test against 247 students in public schools. And the results actually held true from 1947. Yeah. And 16 of the 21 black children actually ended up choosing the white doll. And again, they asked like, which doll looks bad? And like everyone picked up the black doll. And then when they asked a black girl what doll looked like her, she actually picked up a white doll and then put it down and then chose a black doll. So so yeah, sad. it was like it was a t- it was a recreation of a study but essentially it's this idea of internalized dislike right towards your own a- appearance and mm-hmm. how it affects you overall in your life and then obviously like kind of this idea of like where that self-loathing and this low self-esteem takes you as related to like you know your confidence and your work performance and other areas of your life and it's like insane and you know, you and I talked about how in order to like build our own confidence and to build our own performance, we actually started crafting our own identities in order to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think this goes back to earlier than we even like remember being aware of crafting identities, right? I think this kind of like awareness of your physical appearance um, starts, unfortunately, for children like, you know, you or me or anybody else who looked different from the majority culture in where they grew up. It starts with like microaggressions or even normal sized aggressions, you know, like other kids. (laughs) Some of them were not so micro. (laughs) Yeah, right. 
um, I mean, other kids in the schoolyard commenting on your skin color or your eye color or your hair. I definitely remember, I like have a very vivid memory of in second grade wearing short sleeves to school and the girl sitting next to me asking me why I had hair on my arms. And I was like, I know. And I had never thought about it like until that moment. And, you know, I think if I remember correctly, it wasn't really her. I can't, you can't blame a second greater right you can't right like you can't you know you can't pin malice on a second grader but it 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 was the first thing initially that drew my attention to the difference between me and this girl who I remember being blonde who had blonde hair on her blonde body hair but because hers didn't stand out the way that you know mine did because I have very dark hair um because I'm South Asian, uh, it, it first kind of like drew my attention to the differences in our appearance and kind of like the disgust with which she said it like really was one of the first times that I remember feeling shame for an ethnic trait, which is dark body hair, which is, you know, something that I, the majority of South Asians have. And so it's kind of these like very early, I think, formative experiences um experiences of aggression that lead us to begin trying to craft our identities to align with whiteness whether we realize we're doing it or not i mean i was a victim of the sperm brow trend in high school <laughs> as i know a lot of south asian girls were like i was born with a thick unibrow. Beautiful unibrow. Yes. I mean, you know what? I I don't know that I still appreciate the uni portion of the (laughs) brows, but the rest of them were were quite nice. Yeah. But I was... I, I, to me, they were horrifying, right? It was, you know, the late 90s and the trend was to have these skinny, skinny, skinny kind of like single file brows. And I would pluck and pluck and pluck and pluck until my head hurt to achieve these like skinny, skinny brows that maybe, you know, for other girls that didn't have as thick brows as I did was just a little bit of plucking and for me it was like raising 90% of the natural brow hair that I had to (laughs) to fit in with this beauty standard and and like it some parts of it I couldn't have explicitly said that it came from a sense of self-loathing or whatever but I, I think parts of it definitely did because parts of it came from you know being pointed out as as the other and you know it, sometimes it was South Asian on South Asian aggression. There yeah. were there were definitely um, girls that I went to school with, South Asian girls that I went to school with, who were very meticulous about removing their body hair and straightening their, their hair on their head. Oh, yeah. The uh, hair straightening was... The hair straightening was oh out of control, right? It was the pin straight hair. It was. Then. And I remember, like, I would bug my mom right and i i had like a similar interesting experience in that i went to high well my entire schooling up until college was catholic education so that was very interesting um because not it was 
I had to fit in in a way that was where every single part of me was othered, like down to making sure my religion was othered. So Mm -hmm. there was like this deep uh, need for me to fit in, especially because like in public schools, you would see probably a mix of students, given if you lived in a pretty metropolis kind of area. Like I know you, your where you grew up was was different, right? You lived in a mostly white area. Mm -hmm. Where I grew up was like very much diverse and so you know but the the school that I went to was absolutely not diverse and I was probably one of two or three Indian people and of those two or three Indian people I was the only girl right so the pressure was was on right and I remember like I would get mad at my mom if she like um had would get me a straightener that wasn't like wouldn't make my hair like pin drop straight mm-hmm. or I would like constantly wax or thread my facial hair or like I would wear makeup that made me like I would play down my features so much almost and my features like you see me I have curly hair like yeah. I have large curly hair I have big eyes I have high like cheek brown like daisy cheekbones like mm-hmm. and I would play it down because I was so you know, I just did everything I could not to. Like, rest me at one point, I remember my entire junior and senior year, I wore ribbons in my hair every single day without fail. I had a collection of ribbons in my hair and I would straighten my hair every morning, put it up into a high ponytail mm-hmm. and put a huge ribbon in it. Like, and now I, I feel like this is the first time you probably have heard me say that and you're probably like, that is disgusting. <laughs> but you know what? For back then, it makes sense because that was the look, that was like the cheerleader look at my school too. It was yeah. a st- pin straight, high pony, big ribbon in your hair. Uh, did you ever take an actual iron meant for clothes and straighten your hair? Because absolutely not. I have done this. That my is gross. <laughs> hair, my hair straightener had died one morning before school, and I was panicking because I also have kind of like the big curl, fizzy, like frizzy, just like large, voluminous. South Asian hair, you know, <laughs> and I had like for t- to my mom, the way to control it was to put it in braids, right? That's how any right. people do their hair. They put it up or they put it in braids. That's Which how I made it more brown. It, it, I would not wear braids to school. I was so anti-braid. I was like, I absolutely cannot braid my hair and I would not let her put any kind of conditioning oil into my hair because you know every all the women in my family I mean not just women men too everybody in my family would put coconut oil in their hair for like hair health and stuff and to me that was like too I was like oh my god I I could I wouldn't be caught dead like smelling like coconut oil at school I would just I would just you know I, I would simply pass away if if <laughs> the blue bottle of coconut oil and to me I was it was horrifying and I remember my grandmother stayed with us a lot and she would like she'd be like you have to put it in your hair you know it's the only way to prevent breakage and flyaways and frizz and like of course she was right because of course Indian people who have had or South Asians who have had this 
type of hair for millennia have developed hair care, you know, techniques that work for this hair texture. But uh, to me, I could not. I would not be caught dead. And if I couldn't straighten my hair, pin straight every morning, like if my straightener had died, I would take the iron for clothes and lay my hair down on the ironing board. That's crazy. And just iron it because I, God forbid, I had one single kink or curl in my hair. God forbid, I would have just fainted. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have gone to school that day. It, I think that's yeah. Like that's. It's just crazy because it's just like we can't do anything about our skin color, right? So what it's like we do everything around it in order to like mimic some some form of like European standard or like mm-hmm. whiteness, right? Because in whichever way we can, but and I remember like even part of like crafting an identity was like soaking my entire body before we went to school in like perfume or something because like god forbid if the curry smell or something right uh, comes out this is or if anyone sees it this is still a thing for me i you know i and it's i fully acknowledge that it's some kind of like internalized weirdness about like smelling like food but it was I mean especially in college it was some of the things it was one of the things that you heard I remember um you know being friends with international students and uh, the South Asian students usually like live together in apartments um and sometimes they would come on campus for like you know like a club meeting at night or something after having eaten dinner and they would smell like indian food because the apartments were small and you know your coat you leave it yeah. you leave your coat on the couch or whatever and then it picks up the smell of whatever you're cooking it's not a big deal it's not like a dirty smell it's just like a food smell and other people would just be like ruthless about it they would be like oh my god you can smell it i'm gonna gag like act like they were gonna die and it kind of like it it like it's something that i'm working so hard to try to overcome and i still to this day don't think that i have i am so weird about food smells in my house every time i cook i like i feel like i need to open windows i am like a candle hoarder i yes yeah because i'm so like i make i turn off my hvac system in my house so that like this <laughs> the recirculating air isn't going into my closet where i keep my clothes like, oh wow oh, you're like to, yeah it's yeah. like it's like some kind of compulsion and it is fully i admit some kind of internalized self-loathing because of comments that i overheard at a at a impressionable age it, it, you know like it's just I don't know if I've told you this, but so, you know, um, Rohit, my husband loves fire hot Fritos or flaming hot Fritos and stuff like that. And I like also love them. But I also like I'm like every time I eat them, because I remember I was in Catholic school. I was in church one day with with this girl sitting next to me. And I must have been like third fourth fifth grade something like that right and i remember she like 
looked over and I, I remember I, you know, we wore uniforms, right? So my <laughs> mom made sure I had a Preston clean uniform and I was wearing the appropriate shoes. And I remember wanting like a certain pair of shoes and my mom got me those shoes. And, you know, I, I looked so neat and clean. And I remember because I was so appalled because she was sitting next to me and she leaned over and she was like, ew, you smell like Fritos. And I was just like, that's horrible. I remember. And then, like, I was so young. I wasn't even in middle school. I probably was in second grade. But I was like, obviously, I remember that, you know? Yeah. And I, to this day, remember it. So much so, Rashmi, that, like, I was in New York um, a few weeks ago. And I, we had all, like, gotten ready to go to dinner. And I just, like, panicked, right? Because I couldn't find my perfume. And my friend was like, you just took a shower like it's fine like let's just go and I remember panicking because I was like literally like what if I smell like Fritos like yeah. from third or fourth grade because yeah. just like the things because I smelled like Indian food and she couldn't place that it was Indian food probably because her parents never you know she never right. tried it we were so young so like that's the only thing that she could like mimic as the smell or like can understand as it being the smell yeah that was so painful. I remember that. I still remember that. Like uh, to be that young and to feel so embarrassed. Productive in this sense. But you have to ask yourself, especially among children, like where where do these ideas come from? You know, like kids aren't born knowing that, you know, having hair on your arms is disgusting or that like a person smelling like Fritos is disgusting yeah yeah that's like, the thing. it wasn't like hey you smell like Fritos and right I don't know what I'm just saying it as a statement it was like ew gross right this is what you smell like and and it's it's just because the pervasive culture has made it so clear what the desirable aesthetic is like even even to the point where something that like a South Asian person would do if if they did it would be made fun of but if a person from the dominant culture did it would be like lauded as a fashion choice i am specifically talking about um gwen stefani late 90s no doubt era somebody a band that i really really liked um and i same era every time we would go to the temple and my mom would ask me to wear a bimbi to the temple, I would like put it on in the car and then like rip it off on the way back. <laughs> or if there was like that powdered, like, you know, the powdered stuff, the powdered yeah, bimbi stuff. The tea, uh, yeah. yeah, I would like rub it off in like the rear view mirror in my parents' car, like on the back seat on the way back. Yeah. As we I were was, like, we're going to hell for sure for doing right, this. But right. We're my mom do it would be anyway. like, my mom would be like, we just left. Why are you always rubbing it off? And I was like, no, I can't be seen with this. And yet Gwen Stefani like had a whole era where she was accessorizing accessorizing up the wazoo with bindis she was wearing them like normally on her forehead she was wearing remember like the bengali wedding style bindis that go over the, the, over the eyebrow yep. yeah that's mm -hmm. like the very intricate um i i don't know what other cultures do it but i definitely have seen them in like bengali wedding culture so you know like these very intricate bindis and she was like lauded as a fashion icon back then she was on the cutting edge of fashion and because i mean not related to South Asian culture, but she was also out here appropriating Bantu knots back in the day. Uh, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I remember that. I remember that. It was the same era, and she was doing all of these things, and she was being lauded as a fashion icon because she is Caucasian, is white. Yeah, and <laughs> she's blonde, like. and yeah. she fits the 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 beauty standard of the dominant culture and so she can take whatever she wants and make it cool because she is inherently seen as desirable whereas ethnic features were inherently seen as undesirable so even if you broke your back trying to smell good or were freaking ironing your hair with a clothes iron in the morning you were never going to be you were you were never going to be accepted in the in the pervasive culture of beauty standard in the white beauty yeah. standard i think like the, the and it goes back to being like you can do whatever you want but there's only two real ways to portray skin color back then and by back then i meant like you know all the way up until i don't know i like to say when fenty beauty comes came out <laughs> it was probably you know i don't know but essentially you know there was light skin and there was dark skin you either fit in to light skin or you were you know, you could do whatever you tried to do, but it wasn't going to work. And I do right. believe that the standards of beauty are changing, right? Like in your trip to Sephora, it kind of just obviously shows that in full force, like darker complexions and their acceptance are really at like this all time high. But I do feel like this kind of there's like inherent racism rooted still in beauty standards that we see. And I think like we see it so forcefully like it's almost shoved down our throats and we don't even realize it because we're so like delving deep into tiktok and instagram we're like oh this looks cool and this looks neat and i need this item and um oh i should try this trend but in reality if you take a step back and look like a lot of these things these so-called beauty trends are actually like inherently their own microaggressions or their own sets of racism mm -hmm. absolutely i think there's been a couple of eye makeup trends that have yeah it's called the fox eye fox eye trend i looked it up it's like yeah it's like 54 million people and like a lot of um you know the Asian community is really kind of saying it's like catastrophic to the Asian community because it's like peaking in popularity, but it's like using the East Asian features in a way that's like racist. It's really just glorifying, you know, who they are as people, but kind of like putting it on white faces, which is making it okay, you right. know, and and allowing that that to work. And so that's problematic. I'm also seeing like this trend is like driving me nuts. Like the one that the TikTok trend and like, you know how much I try to avoid TikTok, but I know you like to send me those Instagrams <laughs> or those little TikTok reels anyway that I feel the need to deep dive into. <laughs> and the one that they have the the brown girl glow up is oh my so God. painful to watch. Yeah. Because that how how much more do you, you know, get that whole idea of like who you were as a person was not okay but then right. who you are now because you've blown up and you've glown is that even a word i don't know glowed, but like glowed. you glowed <laughs> glowed up and you have super straight hair and you have really nice eyebrows and you're skinny and you're hairless and you're you have great contour like all of those things because now it's moved from like being white and dark like those two categories to being like 
are you white palatable or are you exotic? Right. Right. And like that glow up trend puts people again into this kind of Western beauty standard that's shifted from light to dark to white palatable and exotic. And now you're starting to fall into your own categories of white palatable and exotic. And even that fox eye makeup trend is exotic, but under white palatable circumstances. Exactly. Exactly. And the the problem with the glow up trend, I think, is also that it kind of makes the case that now that I'm hot, I'm lovable, which is very messed up because that's the inherent, you know, backs backside of that is that like little girl with Coke bottle glasses and hairy arms and legs and a unibrow and a mustache was not lovable. And it, it nobody should ever feel the need to nobody should ever feel forced to to groom themselves because of what other people say. Right. Your personal grooming. I mean, apart from bathing please everybody bathe yourself (laughs) (laughs) but you know things like things like eyebrow plucking or facial hair grooming which is something that a lot of south asians do we're just a hairy people it usually comes with gorgeous head hair but you know I, i don't think that i know a single south asian girl that hasn't wrestled with her mustache um and it should be it should be a choice Right. You should not feel backed into a corner and that you have to wax or thread or do whatever you need to do in order to be given the basic amount of respect as a person that you always deserve. And the glow up trend, I think, is like, oh, hey, despite the fact that I have all of these South Asian traits, I can still be beautiful instead of saying I am inherently beautiful because of my South Asian traits or, you know, whatever ethnic traits. I'm sure that this is this nonsense is also happening with people of other ethnicities, but I really only see it among South Asians. And one of the things, so rush me that like I was actually lo- I was looking up stuff that was like other weird trend not weird it's not weird it's just like other trends that were happening so and i did not know about this one but there's a liquid nose job have you heard of it? i have seen this yes where people put this like rubbery stuff on the bridge of their nose to make it more prominent yeah and it's like a pair again yeah, right. It's like Eurocentric in nature. Let's have a higher nose bridge like white people or white, mm. you know, ethnicities. And uh, it's it better really not be targeted. too high. It better not be yeah. too high because then you you're looking you're you're starting to look more Asian again and Central Asian or maybe Middle Eastern or maybe South Asian. And then you got to get a nose job. It's got to be just <laughs> the perfect, the perfect amount of nose bridge. I think like that's and. To your point, like the the bushy eyebrows, right? Like it's embracing. Finally, we get to embrace our natural hair, but only when it's white palatable, like only when, you know, the the models are doing in their shoots or like Sephora is suggesting we do soap brows like Mm -hmm. No, it just sounds like we like we should have just been doing this in the first place, but we didn't want to do it because we're just like succumbing. I don't want to say succumbing. It's just like we're so inherently taught from a young age to kind of succumb to like Western standards that we have so much trouble kind of identifying and really like glowing and blossoming in our own beauty. Right. 
And it's so insidious that even if you're intellectually think that you're past it, it's it never like fails to get at the deepest, softest, saddest parts of yourself. I remember a couple of months ago, maybe when I was, I don't know, like browsing the Internet and I found out that Kim Kardashian had gotten her BBL undone. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I felt for like a hot second? I felt panic. Why? (laughs) So because I feel like. The Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian BBL trend has really been a boon for a lot of South Asian women who tend to have kind of like naturally curvy bodies, I would say, or at least that's one of the predominant body types among South Asian women. You have these kind of like these bodies that look beautiful in saris, you know, like mm-hmm. very Jessica Rabbit, very Vava Voom. Um, and growing up, in the uh, Kate Moss heroin chic era, <laughs> yes. uh, it, I I was very much like, well, I'll just be ugly forever. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because like she was as Eurocentric as Eurocentric could be. Right. I I don't think mm. that I don't think that my skeleton, like even if you just removed all of the, would be as flesh, like thin and right, would be yeah. as like petite and thin and narrow as hers. Um, I look great in a sari, I will say, but I will never look like Kate Moss. And so I was just like, well, I'm always going to be ugly. And then Kim Kardashian happened and then BBLs were a thing. And I was like, can I be hot? Is is this, yeah. my, t- oh, is this my time so to shine? Interesting. Is this so my time to shine? And, you know, I, I was like, I'm going to enjoy my day in the sun. I'm going to enjoy this society that we have and it's 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 still not good right because it 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 only again it narrows it down to one body type it's saying this one body type is desirable and none of the others are and the problem with making body types trendy is that for normal people who can't just go get plastic surgery at the drop of a hat body types are not a trend we're kind of just born with one you know and you can (laughs) you, you can work out and you can do all of these things to modify it but like ultimately your genetics and your ethnicity determines so much of of what your final body type is going to be are you going to be narrow are you going to be curvy are you going to be broad so much of it is out of your control but i was like you know i'm gonna have my day in the sun kim kardashian is hot curves are people people love a curvy body yes it's my day in the sun and then kim kardashian got her bbl removed um, like, or no, my knees are over. I'm and back I was to like, my Kate oh, Moss no. era. <laughs> 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 <laughs>